the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hey, hey, ho, ho, how you doing? Come Together San Diego, another broadcast, and we're so excited about this broadcast in particular. I don't think we've done anything exactly like this. Of course, you say, we've listened to the show, you don't ever do anything exactly like anything. <laughs> well, as a, uh, I would call myself a Christian journalist, as you know, my listening friends, and my heart cry is to uh, seek the truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And so I invoke God in all of my research, and uh, I don't hold back. And this is one of those shows that's going to be one of those don't hold back shows because I have a man, uh, I, 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 I think I would call him Maestro Rick Hughes and Rick Hughes Ministries. But hello, uh, Pastor, Dr. Maestro. I don't know what exactly to call you, Rick Hughes. Hey, Kaz, just call me Big Rick. <laughs> Big Rick. Well, I may or may not on that, but we'll, we'll see. I've been excited to have you on the air and deal with what you call a crash course in Christianity. And I've had a chance to sip on some of the things that you've said and done, and I just know that you are a powerful—I use the word Christian apologist, but you may use other words as well. But you've been on uh, the Salem Media airwaves before in San Diego and beyond, and— you're a fellow broadcaster, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to share some of your insights in what you're calling a crash course in Christianity. Why don't I hand the baton to you early on, uh, Maestro Hughes, and let you jump on in and uh, share some insights. And if I may do some color commentary as we go, that's fine. And buckle up, my friends. You're going to hear some things. You know, this is called a crash course in Christianity, and you go, well, I know it all anyway. Do you really? And also, there are different nuances in the body of Christ that have slightly different points of view. This is going to be very good for you to pay close attention to. And by the way, the second hour, I'm going to come on and talk to you a little bit about why, and showing Scripture to tie to it, why uh, uh, Salem Media, San Diego, uh, Steve Brodsky, general manager, and I decided to team up for this broadcast. I don't think I've taught about why my vision is to bring all the body of Christ together together. Jew and Gentile, but also within the Gentiles, uh, uh, word-driven saints and spirit-driven saints. So that's the second hour. Sorry about taking up your your precious time, Rick. I'm handing the the baton to you. Lay it on us. Well, thank you, Kaz. That's a great honor for me to be in San Diego. I've never been there personally or physically, but I am a mind traveler, so uh, I can look at the bike. <laughs> I know about the history of your great city and all the military installations there and mid, mid, the Midway Museum and all of that. Yes. So uh, fantastic place, far down as you can go before you get into Mexico, correct? Well, and including Mexico as well. We broadcast all over the place. So, yes. Have you yeah. got your uh, Spanish-speaking hat on? I'm saying with a smile. 
uh, uh, <laughs> so lay it on us. Uh, this crash course in Christianity is one of several books that you uh, have done, and you provide many of them at no charge. Um, we'll get into that later throughout this one hour. But uh, a crash course in Christianity, a lot of people that are listening, we think we know stuff, but this is kind of an opportunity for them to listen to what you have to say and bring other people on to say, listen to this. Go ahead, Rick. Well, let's back up just a little bit, and I'll give a little bit of background about okay. myself. I never intended to have a radio ministry as such. Um, I became a Christian in 1967. I grew up in the city of Birmingham, Alabama, and graduated from high school and signed a football scholarship to play for the University of Alabama. And that's when Coach Bear Bryant was the coach and oh Joe Namath was back. You remember Broadway Joe? Oh, yes. And uh, But I didn't stick it out. Unfortunately, like a lot of boys in those days, I left school and went down what we often call the My Way Highway. Oh, I know my. you've never been. Before, but, uh, <laughs> I've hitchhiked on, along that one myself. Well, I was not a Christian. I, no one in my family was a Christian that I can remember. Maybe my great-grandmother was, but uh, no one in my school was a Christian. I went to a big public school with 2,500 kids. So uh, I never really thought about God. I wasn't against God. When I was 11, my mother sent me to a a camp where people talked about God, but I didn't really come to know Christ as my Savior. But I heard about the Bible, and I heard that God loved me, stuff like that. But I never got enough information to really accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And so it was uh, when I was 22 that I, through a series of the way the Lord would manipulate things, I was forced uh, to come home one Sunday evening, and I wound up on a date with a girl that took me to church. Of course, I did not get anything out of church. I was too scared and freaked out looking at all the weirdos in there. <laughs> and when they came to the invitation gave, she wanted me to go forward and talk to the preacher. Yes. And I went, I went outside and got in my car, and I thought, if she doesn't come on, I'm leaving. But eventually, uh, she came out, and another guy came out, a guy that played ball at Alabama. He was younger than me. And he told me how Christ had changed his life. And I listened to it, and uh, that night that girl convinced me to go to a home Bible study, and it was there at that home Bible study that uh, I heard uh, the the good news that God loved me in spite of what a jerk I was, Yes, and that I have a changed life if I wanted it. Yes, and I I see you as a a man of intellect where you you don't just take things in passing. You dig into it, and you try to discover the who, why, what, where— when and how. We're talking with Rick Hughes Ministries, Rick Hughes himself, and talking about a crash course in Christianity, which we'll get to soon. But we've only about three minutes left in this segment here, Rick, and I want to make sure that you realize <clears throat> time goes quickly on the radio. So uh, uh, this first uh, segment, we wanted to spend some time out of the first hour that Rick's spending with me talking a little bit about his background. But you've got about two and a half or three minutes, uh, Maestro. Uh, take it wherever you want, and then I'll do a commercial break, and then we'll come back with M-O-R-E more. Rick Hughes. Good, Good deal. Well, we uh, we accepted Christ as our Savior, went back to college, wound up working with Youth for Christ International, and wound up speaking in high schools. And since 1968, I have spoken and a little more than 5,000 school assemblies all across the southeastern United States. And uh, basically, that's what I did for many years, traveling, speaking in schools, sometimes three a day, 15 schools a week. 
And eventually we morphed that into a one-week-long assembly program called a Spiritual Emphasis Week. And we would go to a school and spend a week. But, you know, the public schools won't let you in anymore. So most of the time we are in private schools, but they're not Christian schools. They're just academies. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of those in the South. And, uh, and so as I began to speak in these schools and li- listening to my pastor teach me the Word of God, that's where things began to click. I had to have somebody teach me something because I didn't know what I was talking about. I had a lot of zeal. <laughs> I think you're knowledge. identifying with a lot of we listeners, too. We, we know the many precepts, but actually to uh, pull them together in a cohesive way may be a challenge. Thus, a crash course in Christianity is very appealing to our listeners. Uh, we've got about uh, two minutes left. How do you want to transition this, Rick Hughes? Well, that's exactly what happened. My pastor began to, as I studied the Word of God under him, began to learn God's Word, and I learned this about kids, that I wasn't out there to entertain kids. I was out there to communicate something to them. And the, the schools that I spoke in, I found out that they would listen if I'd just given the truth. But the issue was, what was the truth other than just the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. I had to understand how to live the Christian life, because uh, I had heard when I first became a Christian, people told me, just yield it to God, brother. Turn it over to the Lord, brother, and let the Lord have it. And I didn't know what the heck that meant. That's right. And, you, and you're a man who's looking for uh, support as far as uh, confirming what you're hearing. So uh, this led you along a very interesting path. We've got about one minute yeah. left. How would you like to prepare the transition into the commercial break and beyond? Rick well, Hughes, Rick Hughes Ministries. Yes, I had to know the mechanics of how it all worked. Yes. And what happened is as I grew spiritually, as I learned the Word of God, I began to understand the mechanics to the Christian life. And a lot of people don't understand that, that they do a right thing in the wrong way. Mm. And the right thing in the way is still wrong. And that's what the crash course in Christianity is all about, teaching the mechanics to the protocol plan of God. And we'll discuss that when you're ready and get into that thoroughly. Yes, yes, yes. My listening friend, I hope you're enticed by uh, Rick Hughes and his insights uh, and his desire. There's a scripture that talks about studying to show yourself approved unto God, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. And one of the things that Rick has purposed in his heart and mind is to rightly divide the word of truth. So this crash course in Christianity is going to give you something to sip on. And Rick and I are going to talk more about this and dig deeply into this crash course in Christianity which you need to hear about and weigh and pray about when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Thank you, my friends. Not only here's Cass Taylor, but here's Rick Hughes and Rick Hughes Ministries. You know, we're, we're going uh, through what he calls a crash course in Christianity. The first segment, he wanted to set the stage for the who, why, what, where, when, and how of uh, Rick Hughes and Rick Hughes Ministries. And now we're going to get into the hefty good stuff. And I'm going to hand the baton quickly to, uh, I'm calling him Maestro Rick Hughes. He's got very many other names, probably at the right-hand side of his name. He's got a bunch of letters and things like that. But I wanted to give him the opportunity to share some insights about a crash course in Christianity. Take notes, my friend. Also, Rick, before you go too much further, give a website, because uh, throughout the show you're going to refer to this book and perhaps some others as well. And 
there are ways that people can acquire this. Uh, you could tell them more about that. I think you're making it available free of charge. So uh, uh, why don't you lay that on us and then jump on in. Rick Hughes, Rick Hughes Ministries, and a Crash Course in Christianity. Rick. Yes, our website is simply rickhughesministries.org. Rick Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S, ministries, plural, dot org. And yes, all of our material is free. We don't charge for anything because we've always believed that God's in it. God will pay for it. Yes. Now, I was just listening to uh, talking about social distancing on a commercial that you had. A lot of people don't understand that God requires social distancing, too. <laughs> and a lot of times I'll ask kids in schools, if I told you God was out in the foyer of the auditorium, would you like to go out there and meet him? And they all say yes. But when I read the verse, it says no man can see God and live. Then they change their mind. <laughs> so a lot of times we don't understand the God we know. That's right. Sounds, sound, kind of sounds like Moses' day, doesn't it? As it does. And this is what God said in the Bible. I'm looking for people in Jeremiah. He said, I'm looking for people that not only know me, but understand me. And so this is the first thing people have to understand is what does it mean to be a good Christian? And sometimes I'll ask people that, tell me how to be a good Christian. And they'll say, well, brother, if you just read your Bible and, and pray and witness for Jesus and, uh, and tithe, then you'll be a good Christian. Mm. And unfortunately, that may be things a good Christian to do, but that's not how you become a good Christian. Mm. And so I'd like for our listeners to think about that. How do you become a good Christian? And Kaz, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but let me make this clear. It all starts with the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. And nine out of ten times when I ask that question, nobody ever says, well, first of all, you can't live the Christian life until the Holy Spirit's in control. Because the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed, I'm going to go away, but I'll send the Comforter, and he will guide you, lead you to truth, show you what to say, show you what to do. And we are mandated in the Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this is where it all starts, the filling of the Holy Spirit. So when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, every one of us, you, myself, and all others listening, are indwelled by God the Holy Spirit. We understand that, Ephesians 1.13, sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. However, we can quench the Spirit and grieve the Spirit, and you know how we do that, Kaz. We sin. That's right. And the Bible tells if we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. So how do we deal with sin? And the answer is to use the first problem-solving device called rebound. Rebound. Something my pa- yeah, my pastor taught me that years ago, like a basketball word, rebound. If you bounce out of fellowship with God by committing sin, you bounce back in fellowship by confessing that sin. Ooh. And the Bible is very clear about that in 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if we confess our sin, if, that's the third-class condition, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all wrongdoing. And the key word there is confess. Yes. It's a compound Greek word called homo legeo. Two words put together, homo, the same, legeo, to say. To confess your sin means to tell God exactly what you did. I lied, I lusted, I cheated, I did this, I did that. And it doesn't mean to promise God you'll never do it again. It doesn't mean to promise God you'll be a good boy from here on out. It just means tell him what you did. Yes. Don't hide it. So when we sin, if we want to live the Christian life, we must confess our sin. So now let's take this to Sunday morning, people getting ready to go to church. And here's mom and dad. <laughs> get 
kids are not getting ready. Get out of the bathroom. We got to go. Let's go. Move it. Move it. Move it. And everybody's upset. And then we get on the interstate and somebody cuts us off. And by the time we get to church, we're out of fellowship because we've committed mental attitude sins of anger, frustration, bitterness. And so we go sit in the service. We don't get anything out of it. We hear the information, but we don't apply the information because we've quenched and grieved the Holy Spirit. My. Very seldom will any pastor stand up and say, before we have this worship service, let's make sure we're all in fellowship with God. Let's take a moment, look inside. If there's any known sin in your life, confess it. Because if you don't, the Holy Spirit cannot do his job, regardless of what a great preacher it is or how, what a great teacher he is. It's the Holy Spirit's job to take what he communicates to you and help you to apply it to your life. So that's the first step in the crash course in Christianity is learning how to be filled with the Holy Spirit by using rebound. That's right. And confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Wow. Major truth, Rick Hughes. There you go. That's the first step. The second step is to understand that at the judgment seat of Christ, everything we did is going to be evaluated, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Some of it's wood, hay, and stubble. Some of it's gold, silver, and precious stones. So what is the wood, hay, and stubble? It's mm. all the right you did in the wrong way. Is Say it that a, again. That is great wisdom. It's all the right things you did in the wrong way. <laughs> I'll give you an Is it right to pray? The answer is yes. Is there a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray? The answer is yes. The Bible said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if I have unconfessed sin in my life, and I've quenched and grieved the Holy Spirit, and now I'm praying and asking God to do something, that prayer is not going to go any higher than the ceiling, regardless of how eloquent it may sound, regardless of who gives it. it because you didn't have a repentant answered. heart. Is that where you're going with this, Rick? I'm going with it, telling yep. you to quench the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's job is to intercede for us in prayer. Romans 8 tells us that. So how can he do that if I've got unconfessed sin in my life? Does that make sense to you? Oh, it makes total sense. And, I, I, you know, I can I can point the finger at uh, a lot of other people, but there's a number of fingers pointing back at me. That is a real challenge for all Christians here, there, and everywhere. So my listening friend, I hope you're paying attention to this uh, crash course in Christianity. Rick, we've so got about three, we, once, three and a half minutes left in this segment, just for your information. Sure. Once we, once we understand what we have to do with our sin and how to deal with our sin and how to let the Holy Spirit stay in control of our life, then we have to understand how to live the Christian life, and that's through faith. And so remember, remember Moses said, stand still and watch what God's about to do in Exodus. So the faith rest drill is an amazing Bible problem-solving device for every believer. It's taking the Word of God and standing on those promises and having a relaxed mental attitude that the Lord will handle any situation that you're facing in your life. That's why we always say adversity may be inevitable, but stress is optional. Wow. Because adversity is what circumstances do to you, and stress is what you do to yourself. <laughs> if you're lit- <laughs> Say that again. Life. I'm sorry. There are just too many nuggets here. Say that again. Adversity is inevitable. Stress is optional. I love it. Adversity is what circumstances do to you, and stress is what you do to yourself. Oh, my. The Christian life is a life with no stress, no worry, no fear, no bitterness, no attackability. It's an amazing way to live. And so when we live that life and use a faith rest drill, then we can face any adversity that comes our way without being afraid. 
putting on the armor of God, standing in the wisdom of God. It's an amazing way to live, and that's just part of it. It's just the very beginning stage. of the, Most Christians never even learn how to live by faith. They think it's something you work up to or something. But mm. the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So your faith is directly related to the content of the Word of God you have in your soul. You don't have any of the Word of God in your soul. You don't have much faith. You're weak. My, my, my. Let me just interject here, my friends, and that is, and Rick, well, I know he will agree with me on this, but if you are being driven by fear, and it's not fear of the Lord, which is a reverent thing, if you're being driven by fear, you need to revisit your relationship with God because he's a God who says, don't fear, don't fear. So um, this is what a remarkable, what a, what a remarkable um, a crash course in Christianity. If we have fear, then we, that is a fear of the things of the world. We need to revisit our faith, and that's where we are right now. And that's why Rick Hughes is with me. Go ahead, Rick. Well, what time I'm afraid I'll trust in me is a great promise in the Scripture. There are over seven thousand promises of Scripture for us, and that's all like cash. We can cash it in Ooh. like money in the bank. But if you don't know where it is, you can't use it. And so that's why we're told to study to show ourselves approved. You quoted that earlier, and if you can be approved, you can be disapproved. And we're supposed to (laughs) rightly divide, if not wrongly divide it. That's right. That's where it's critical that you're under a well-qualified pastor that can teach you the Bible. It's not a novel. It's not designed for you to read and figure it out on your own. It's designed by God to be taught to you by a well-qualified pastor who has the spiritual gift of pastor-teacher. And as you grow and as you learn and as you apply, that's the secret to it, is you hear it and apply it. Listen to what Jesus said. Happiness belongs to those people who hear my Father's Word and keep it. Yes. Luke 11, 27, and 28. My, my. you got to hear it before you can keep it. And if you don't hear it, you, don't, you can't learn it. You can't understand it. Oh my. That's why it's critical that you got a great pastor to teach you the Bible. Wow. You know, we've got about one minute left in this segment. I hope, my friends, that you're paying close attention to this. You know, these should be everyday precepts, but we in our quote-unquote Christian faith, we go, oh, we got this stuff. This is a wonderful refresher course for you if you've been here and done that, but it's also a great uh, revelation for people that are just embarking on the crash course of Christianity. Uh, We've got about 30 seconds in this segment. Uh, Rick, how would you like to uh, prepare, prepare our listeners for the next segment? Well, I'd like to talk about what motivates you to live the Christian life. The greatest motivation all of us have is in 1 John 5, 3. It says, if you love me, you will obey me, and my mandates are not hard. Oh, my. So the question, do you really love God? That's the question. Okay, so in the next segment, we're going to talk about listening, friend. Do you really love God? We're going to talk more about that when... uh Rick Hughes and Kaz talk about a crash course in Christianity. Do not go away. We'll be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, welcome back, my friends. And uh, this hour goes very, very quickly, doesn't it, Rick Hughes? (laughs) Going quick, going quick, yes. So look, quickly, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is it's good for a person who is endeavoring to understand the truth of the Word to come alongside of a pastor, uh, pastor teacher, uh, to get some insights from them. But also, would you agree that that puts a tremendous amount of responsibility uh, on the pastor teacher? Because if we talked about a scripture in uh, um, 2 Timothy about... uh, 
uh, wrongly dividing the word of truth. If this pastor teacher is wrongly dividing the word of truth, uh, that can be dangerous as well. Do you agree? Oh, 100% accurately. And here's the problem. You know what I'm about to tell you. We got too many pastors that have become performers. And, you know, the church has become performing arts nowadays instead of teaching. Yes. We must get back to teaching God's word and quit the performing. I love it. And uh, it seems to be we, we justify that by saying, but we bring a crowd in if we ain't got a big performance. Yes. And I guess if, if, if your pastor... If the song service and the performing longer than the pastor's message, you're in the wrong church. You better find some place where you go to be fed, <laughs> oh, entertained. My. my, my, my. A quick uh, access to your website so that people can find this Crash Course in Christianity and so many other of your writings. Once again, your your website. It's simply rickhughesministries.org. Rick Hughes Ministries. At O-R-G. Well, you've and, set the stage for a compelling continuation. We've got uh, uh, half of your time on the first hour has, has gone away, so I'm handing the baton to you. Continue, Rick Hughes. Well, let's remind our listeners that the Flatline radio show that I host plays on your station 8 o'clock every Sunday morning. Is that Ooh. correct? Yes. That's, That's what we're talking about, a radio show that plays there in San Diego and in 113 other cities across America every Sunday morning. And uh, But let's go back to this concept about loving God. If I asked your listener, do you love God? I would imagine most of them would say yes. Wouldn't you not agree with that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, here's my question. How can you love a God you don't know? That's right. So let's and how can you really love a God whom you don't obey? <laughs> well, that's true as well. I just quoted that verse, if you love me, you will obey me, and yes. my mandates are not great. So let's go back to something called reciprocal love. The reason we love God, John, first John says we love him because he first loved us. And we know from John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God loved a jerk called Rick Hughes and sent his son to die for me, to pay for my sin. And my reciprocal motivation is for me to in turn love him. But I can't love somebody I don't know. So here's what people need to, what I had to learn. I'll just turn it around and make it personal. I had to learn the essence of God. And a lot of times when you talk about that, people don't know, but he's sovereignty, he's righteousness, he's justice, he's love, he's eternal life, he's immutability, he's veracity, he's omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresent. He's even got a sense of humor. Look in the mirror one, and you figure that one out. <laughs> How can you love a God you don't know? And that's why we have Scripture. God put his written word, which will abide forever, the Bible tells us. It will abide forever so that we can come to understand him. Now, remember, the disciples kept saying, show us the Father, show us the Father. And Jesus said, listen, boys, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It took them a while to figure out that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. And he is God. And uh, and so that took a while for him to catch on to that. But loving the Lord Jesus Christ, if you understand who he is and what he is and what he did for you, that's where your motivation to live the Christian life comes from. Yes. Because you have, you have three enemies that are always nagging at you, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And a lot of people say the devil's after me, and that's a joke. The devil is not omnipresent. He cannot be in Europe and America at the same time. He's a fallen being, a created being, 
most of the time we fall victim to our flesh or we fall victim to the lure of the world. Yes. Satan doesn't even have to worry about us because we destroy our own self. Mm. So that's the first thing we have to understand is is who the real enemy is, and the enemy is, is me. Yeah, look in the mirror. <laughs> there you go. So the reason that I want to obey God is I love him. I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to disappoint my Savior. I don't want him to say, I don't want him to look at me and say, Lou, what a loser you are. You're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be representing me. You're supposed to be living the Christian life, and which simply is this, Kaz, it's representing Christ in my community. It's re-representing Christ in my local church. That's what it is. And it, it comes as as Philippians, Paul wrote in Philippians, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. I have to learn to think like he thought. I have to change the way I think. And Paul wrote in Romans, stop thinking in terms of arrogance beyond what you should think, but think in terms of humility, mm. as God has each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. So the Christian life, I'm motivated to learn to think properly, to think divine viewpoint, not human viewpoint. Not what Abby says, but what the Bible says. That's where the truth is. Yes. And uh, so that's loving God is acquiring the mind of Christ, changing the way that I live. And you, you use the word repent sometimes. A lot of people don't know that there's three different Greek words in the Bible for repent. Metanoia, metaneo, and metamelamai. And we're not talking about an emotional thing. We're talking about a change of mind. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ means you are an unbeliever and you become a believer. You change your mind. And so as a Christian, when we repent of our sin, we change our mind. We recognize what we've done and we admit that to God. So it's, it's a lifelong process, growing in grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as Second Peter 3.18 wrote. It doesn't happen overnight. And the, the strange thing about it, and you know this yourself, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> That's so true. And by the way, Rick, we've got about three minutes left in this segment. <clears throat> and then we have one more segment for you to uh, tie all these and summarize all these things in regards to a crash course in Christianity. So, uh, Rick Hughes, uh, just know that, and you've got about two and a half minutes since Kaz blabbed sure. for about 30 seconds sure. worth. <laughs> Here you go. Scripture is layered. So if you teach, when I say layered, I mean if I teach through John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, and then I teach through it again, I'll say something the second time I didn't see the first yes. time. Then I'll see something the third time I didn't see the second time. This is called the treasure of the Word of God. And this is what's amazing about the Bible. Paul said, I'm going to give you a treasure. And it's the Greek word thesaurus. Thesaurus is the word treasure. God's word is a treasure. The word of God is a treasure. And when it's in your soul, it's called wisdom. And that means you have insight and discernment that other people don't have. You have understanding that other people don't have because you have biblical discernment, insight, and understanding from the wisdom of the Word of God. And through the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Yes. Absolutely. Well, this is why Proverbs talks about wisdom so much. It's, most people don't want wisdom. The fool doesn't want any wisdom. He's too busy trying to tell you what he thinks is true. <laughs> so, uh, 
I hope this is making sense for you. Oh, I think it's making big sense. We've got about one minute here. My listening friend, I hope you're enthralled by what Rick Hughes is saying as he's giving you a crash course in Christianity. And we've got one more segment coming up soon. How do you want to prepare our listeners for this last summarizing segment that you are doing, Rick Hughes, of rickhughesministries.org? Well, as you know, we, 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 we must have a personal sense of destiny. That's part of our problem-solving device in our life, which means we know why God put us here. We know what our objective is. Every one of us has a spiritual gift, and my gift happens to be the gift of evangelism. I didn't ask for it. I didn't yeah. earn it. I didn't buy it. They just gave it to me when I got saved, and I had to learn what it was and how to use it, but I had, had to learn this. I cannot afford to misrepresent God. Wow. You remember what Moses did at the second Meribah when he struck the rock cast? Well, he, he, he mis- was presumptuous. He Costume. misrepresented God. Yep. God said, I've told you to speak to it, not strike it. Don't show judgment, show grace. Mm. And where we're in trouble today because too many people misrepresent God. And uh, I can tell you that's a tragic, tragic mistake. And that gives Satan a great opportunity to impugn the name of God because Satan doesn't want to go to the lake of fire and he's trying to get out of it. Yes, he is. And he'll use me to get out of it if he can. That's right. We've got uh, 20 seconds left in this segment. Do a tease for the next segment and then we'll take a commercial break. Rick Hughes. All right. Well, next segment we're going to go into having a personal sense of destiny, but we're going to go into how to love a weird, obnoxious jerk. And that's a wonderful truth from the Bible <laughs> because we got people with OPD all around us. That's obnoxious personality disorder, and you got to love it. <laughs> well, what a way to set the stage for the last segment in this first hour. My friends, Rick Hughes, rickhughesministries.org. Find out more by going there, and Rick Hughes and I will conclude this first hour when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. More Come Together San Diego. It's just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise with Kaz Taylor. And I'm back, as is my co-host for this hour, which is fleeting. This is the last segment of the first hour, and his name is Rick Hughes, rickhughesministries.org. There was a phrase that you used as we wrap things up, and I wanted to draw attention to that to our listening audience you, people would say representing God, but you said representing God, which adds a whole different point of view to this, and that is representing. That means that we're the body of Christ, and we are presenting God from the point of view that God has given us, and we can do it in a nuance that other people cannot do, but we have to listen to Holy Spirit to accommodate and accomplish that. Handing the baton to you to do your summarization here in this last segment of the first hour, Rick Hughes, com. Lay it on us. Let's talk about impersonal love, impersonal love, not personal love for God, but impersonal love for others. Remember, the disciples were all type A personalities, and they had a little competition going on among them. <laughs> yes. Listen to what Jesus told them in John thirteen thirty four: A new mandate I'm giving to you that you love one another as I loved you. So also you must love one another. And then he said this. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this was proof to the world that they were different, that they had something that other people didn't have. They didn't have jealousy. They didn't have this type of motivation in their life. But there's a verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, that says, 
If a man says, I love God, remember I asked that question earlier, and he hates his brother, he's a liar. Mm. The truth is not. For the one, if he loveth not his brother whom he can look at, how can he love God that he's never seen? And this is the mandate we have from God, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So here's the question. In 1 John 4, if I back up just a little bit, the Bible tells us, let us love one another, 1 John 4, 7. And uh, how do you do that? Well, here's the answer to that. How did God love me? With impersonal love. He didn't love me based on who I was. He loved me based on who he was, who he is. He loved me based on his essence, not my essence. How do I love Kaz? Mm. I love you based on who I am, not who you are. It's based on who I am. It's my impersonal love for you. Good. So if you're around someone that's obnoxious, if you're around someone that's unfair, if you're around an unbeliever that doesn't believe, can you love him? Yes. Same way God loved you. You love him based on your character, not his character. Well, and that's quite a magnet, isn't it? When people see that they get undeserved love, all of a sudden it changes their way of looking at God if you are re-presenting God, as you have said. Yeah, because it's not an emotional thing. This is I'm not talking about an emotional fall or all. I'm talking about a sacrificial uh, love for people. And this is an amazing thing that the Lord Jesus Christ did. He sacrificed his life for you and I because he loved us. He gave himself as a sacrifice for us. And that's what's unique about the Christian life is this impersonal love. When we have impersonal love in our life, we have enough wisdom of God to know that it's not us, it's, the, it's not them that's the issue, it's us that's the issue. We are the issue. Do we love as God loved? Do we love as Christ loved? And that's us being occupied with Christ. That's us having the mind of Christ. That's us representing him to the world. Representing him in your local church, yes, through the body of Christ, but representing him personally, individually, so that when people look at you, they see Christ in you. Oh, my. That's the key. And Christ in you is your hope of glory. Wow. That's probably mystery doctrine. That's exactly right. <laughs> We've got about five minutes left, so uh, cobble this however you would like, uh, Rick Hughes, as we summarize A Crash Course in Christianity. By the way, it's available to you by going to rickhughesministries.org, rickhughesministries.org. Rick? Yeah, we uh, we have a lot of books available that we've written, and we've distributed thousands and thousands of these books free of charge. But let me mention our podcast. We have podcasts that's going on right now, different podcast venues like uh, Apple iPod or Spotify. People can just go to the FLOT, F-L-O-T, line. And sometimes people say, well, what does FLOT mean? That's a military acronym for the forward line of troops. Ooh, the forward line of truth. Wow. Troops, T-R-O-O-P-S. Yes. Yes. The military acronym. And what it means is this, is there are at least 10 unique problem-solving devices taught in the Scripture. And I didn't discover this. My pastor taught this to me years ago. But if you learn them and use them, they act like a main line of resistance in your soul. They protect you. And they stop those outside things of adversity from becoming the inside sources of stress. And that's why we call our show The Flatline. We're teaching those 10 unique problem-solving devices. And the first one we have to learn is how to deal with sin, rebound, confess our sin when we do it, and not wait until we go to bed at night. 
You know, if you sin at 8 o'clock in the morning, confess it at 8.02. <laughs> Don't wait for 10 o'clock at night. Because sin quenches the Holy Spirit. And you can't live a Christian life apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's right. It's impossible. So the two things we need, the balance of residency we need in our life, is number one, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and number two, the indwelling of the Word of God in our soul. Put those two things together, and you have a dynamic duo for the Christian and how he can represent Christ to those that he meets. That's remarkable. That's remarkable, Rick Hughes. Uh, We've got about three minutes. How would you like to uh, cobble this together as your final summary? If it would be possible, at the end of your segment, I would love for you to at least say an encouraging word to our listeners or pray over them briefly. That would be great, too, Rick. Well, people, this is my prayer, that people would tune in and listen. We we have thousands of letters coming to us, and people saying, I'm learning something. I didn't know this before. I've been going to church a long time. No one's ever told me this before. And I'm very pleased that that's taking place. I'm just so pleased that God and the Holy Spirit equipped me through my pastor to teach, reteach this information. And uh, and so my prayer is that people will listen to us, write to us, don't send money. We don't need your money. We're not asking you for money. We're not asking you to join anything. We're not asking you to give up anything. We're just asking you to learn something. Learn this so that we can accurately reproduce Christ in our generation before we lose our country. We're in trouble. We're in serious oh my, trouble. Yes, yes, yes. And, and a lot of that has to do with you point the finger towards ourselves and the church, and we've been lackadaisical or uh, majoring on minors for too long. It's time to be proactive and uh, and be honest before the Lord and others. And that requires some vulnerability too, doesn't it? But that vulnerability may be the springboard for others to uh, have that uh, representing of God in their life as well. Handing it back to you, about two minutes left. As goes the believer, so goes the history of this nation. Oh, my. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Read it for yourself. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Since you've rejected knowledge, I'll reject you, and I'll reject your children. We don't want knowledge anymore. We, we turned away from that. We don't want to learn it. We want everybody just to do it quickly. You know, we... I just can't. Just, it's frustrating to me that people that are not interested in learning the Word of God, they don't have time for that. Mm. And so until we get back to where we, as God said, I quoted from Jeremiah earlier, I want people to not only know me, but understand me. Until we get back to understanding what, who and what God is, we're never going to be able to save this nation. It's not politics or deliverance. I don't care who gets elected. It's not politics. It's the Christian. It's oh the pivot of material in the nation. When there's enough people like Gideon, God didn't need 10,000, 20,000. He's needed 300. <laughs> That's so right. If we have a pivot, a core group of strong, mature believers, God will deliver this nation from what's coming. But and until it happens, there's a train wreck headed my way, and I can hear the whistle blowing right now, and you can too. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, I hope you're appreciating this Crash Course in Christianity by Rick Hughes and rickhughesministries.org, where you can find out more information about this. We've got about 30 seconds. I want you to close this down uh, and inspire people to move forward in their faith and their horizontal and vertical relationships. Rick Hughes. The greatest decision you could ever make is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The dumbest thing you could ever do is come to your deathbed not having made that decision. It's critical. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This life is not where it ends. This life is just where it begins. So if you've never taken that opportunity to do it, 
do what the Bible says. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God is not a respecter of person. Simply ask him to save you. Tell him you believe that Jesus is his anointed son and you're willing to receive him as your Savior. And it will happen, I promise you. My, my. Rick, uh, thank you. Uh, And when you have other books, come back to me. We'll uh, do another one of these based on whatever topic God has stirred you to write on and communicate about. Rick Hughes, rickhughesministries.org. We've spent time talking about a crash course in Christianity. You'll be able to review this as you represent God in the archives. Look it up on Come Together San Diego starting a couple days from now. It will be in the archives. Rick Hughes, thank you so much. My listening friend, the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about Come Together San Diego and the strategies that the Salem Media Group San Diego and I have and have been applying in this broadcast over the several years. We'll talk more about that. I don't think you've ever heard me teach and talk on that. And Rick Hughes, thank you so much, my brother. God bless you mightily. Thank you, Cass. Enjoyed being with you. It's a pleasure. My listening friend, I'll be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the second hour of Come Together San Diego. And I'm going to do something right now that I very rarely do. I try to make this Come Together San Diego show about the guests or my co-hosts that come come onto the radio show and allow them to share their vision about uh, what God has been stirring in their life and ministry. Uh, This particular show, I'm going to pull back a little bit on that, and I'm going to use this hour to tell you the who, why, what, where, when, and how of the creation of Come Together San Diego several years ago uh, and why we are doing this format in this way. You know, the, the, the body of Christ needs to be empowered more and more in these days, and that means giving people an opportunity to share what God has given them specifically. And it can be a big-name person, or it can be a person that doesn't have any particular national or even local uh, 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 reputation per se. They are just believers who have been pursuing God and are ministering within their uh, ability, within their circle of friends or influence. And so that's come together San Diego, and it's different from other radio broadcasts. And I want to share with you a little bit about the who, why, what, where, when, and how of Come Together San Diego, which began, as I say, several years ago. Uh, I was together with um, Steve Brodsky, who's the general manager of Salem Media San Diego, but also over um, The Answer in San Diego, and all, which is the uh, non-Christian but conservative radio station, and also uh, the Christian component which is KPRZ here in San Diego. And on behalf of KPRZ, Steve and the Salem Media San Diego team and I got together and we said, let's uh, do something that is unique and that really allows for unity in the body of Christ in San Diego and then beyond. So we began to strategize on what that was like. And the more uh, I I call Steve Brodsky, uh, Reverend Brodsky, although he really isn't a reverend, but he really is a, man with a heart after God, and he, he's a guy who 
when we sat together and we talked about these strategies, he said, I don't want you to do just a regular radio broadcast. (laughs) I want you to do something unique that really encourages the body of Christ to come together. And so we, several people and I sitting together, we came up with the idea of come together San Diego. And uh, I, I really credit this with the team here at Salem Media San Diego. But what we decided to do was to give different people autonomy to come in and share their insights. And one of the things that Steve told me, he said, I don't want you to do radio like other people do radio. I want you to have that freedom to be able to do and say what God tells you to do and say. But he said, here's the thing I want you to make sure that you do. I want you to make sure that God is glorified and magnified. And even though you come up with different topics that may be out of the realm of other teachers because they may have churches that they go back to, and for them to make a stand that would make some of their people uncomfortable, they may not do that. You uh, have a different uh, uh, a calling, and that is to go in, dig out the truth, but al- always uh, bring in the fact that everybody needs to weigh and pray these things and to make their own decision, but you have free uh, course to be able to do these things. And so I said, I kind of like that idea. They kind of like this idea. So uh, three plus years later, Come Together San Diego is still alive and well, one of the few radio broadcasts that is live, and particularly for two hours uh, on a Saturday, what would be called drive time on a, on a Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. live. That's an amazing thing. I'm going to share with you my story strategy and our collective strategy on how this came to pass and how to encourage the entire body of Christ together. Because you know, and I know, as we look at the body of Christ, there are different denominations, (laughs) different doctrines, and how do you bring these people together uh, in the midst of contrary, not even contrary, but different doctrines? You know, one one of the thoughts that I have is I, I, I go to an area in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll just use this as a springboard. It talks about that God gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edification of the body of Christ. Listen to this next phrase in uh, Ephesians 4.13. It says, until we all come to unity of the faith uh, of the knowledge of the Son of God and to the perfect man, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. One phrase that I wanted to bring to your attention here, and it's throughout Scripture, it talks about unity of the faith. Now, one of the things we have to be aware of is the body of Christ uh, will not have unity of the doctrine and uh, unity of, you know, a particular point of view. There are people that say, once saved, always saved, and there's some people say you can lose your salvation. Some people say uh, pre-tribulation rapture, some mid-tribulation rapture, some post-tribulation rapture, and there are those that say we're in the amillennial age. That means we've already gone through it. I mean, all these different points of view, and every one of them has a number of doctrines or specific scriptures to stand their ground. So our decision was to uh, study to show ourselves approved unto God, but also rightly dividing the word of truth. That's found in Second Timothy, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I give everybody that comes on the air an opportunity to divide the word of truth, and you, my listening friend, my discerning friend, to weigh and pray these things. You know, ultimately, when you are face-to-face with the Lord, he's not going to—he's going to say— uh, uh, how have you been obedient to my person, my word, 
my life and lifestyle, my character. And for you to say, oh, such and such told me this, it's not going to wash. You have to have the responsibility to take account for the things that people are telling you and dig back into it and discover God's truths as his Holy Spirit tells you and then make your stand. So that's really the bottom line of this. Now, let's go through the different categories of people that I see. And a lot of this I'm taking from uh, my book, which is called One Church for a One World. That's One Church, O-N-E, Church for a W-O-N World. There's a lot of talk about one world government and uh, the uh, Illuminati and all this kind of stuff. Uh, And the enemy would like to destroy God's kids, the Judeo-Christian faith is in peril right now in America, but also other nations and other lives as is in your life as well. So how do we deal with those things? Well, I think as you step back and I've, you know, I've gone to God and I've said, what is this going to look like? And sometimes some people go, I dare not ask that question of God. And God goes, come on, where it's not a, you know, boss it's not a boss-employee situation. It's a relationship. I want to return you to that intimacy that we had and was designed from the very beginning, and the enemy's trying to pull that away from you. Yet, my friend, the question is, how do we deal with that with so many different denominations, so many different doctrines uh, that are not unifying the body of Christ? It's called unity of the faith. That is the thing. So in the next segments, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what unity of the faith is and so that we, how we can uh, interact with one another, even though we don't have unity of doctrine or unity of denomination. We're going to talk more about these things shortly, and I want to refer to a book that I've written. You're going to hear it in commercials throughout the show, One Church for a One World, O-N-E, Church for a W-O-N World. And my friend, the church, the Judeo-Christian values are being threatened right now. We're going to talk about what I believe God to have the strategy that he's given me to bring the church together, even though we have different denominations and different doctrines, we can have a single faith And that faith is the unifying factor. We're going to talk more about that when I come right back on Come Together San Diego. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining me. This is a very special broadcast on Come Together San Diego. Most of the time, I relinquish a big chunk of the microphone during this two-hour broadcast from 5 to 7 p.m. on Saturdays. I relinquish it to a co-host or guest who may have a little different point of view than I have, but nonetheless, uh, there's scriptural basis for this, and this is my intent to give you an opportunity to hear uh, what some other uh, Bible uh, prognosticators basically have to say and have you weigh and pray that because ultimately it is your obligation and my singular obligation to study to show ourselves approved as second Timothy uh, a workman who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth and when you're face to face with the Lord and he says uh, <clears throat> how you know how have you been obedient to me and your relationship to me you can't say such and such told me I'm making a stand for that that's irrelevant. You and I have account- personal accountability for our faith. So I'm going to walk through this with you, <clears throat> and it will help you understand uh, the strategy behind Come Together San Diego for these numerous years 
of doing a two-hour broadcast and bringing in people from a variety of different uh, biblical points of view and, and doctrines and denominations, but how God desires to make these uh, into one entity. And the scripture that I used to start things out was found in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and it talks about that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And listen to this in verse 13 of Ephesians 4, till we all come to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But the phrase I want to bring to your attention here, I'm going to give you some other verses that go along with this, talks about the unity of the faith. So my intent on Come Together San Diego, as well as my teammates and partners on Salem Media San Diego and KPRZ, is to identify the uh, unity of the faith and uh, not disregard or deny the let's say, disunity or diff- different points of view on the doctrines and denominations and uh, try to bring this all together. <clears throat> let, me, let me give you a, a pre- precept that God stirred in me when I asked him about this. I said, instruct me on how to bring all these different points of view together and still have unity of the faith. And he took me to a scripture that says in Proverbs 11, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, an unjust balance is an abomination to God. An unjust balance is an abomination to God. And here we have people with different denominations, people with different doctrines, each one saying, really, you really need to pay attention to my denomination and my doctrine and because I believe this to be true. But then contrarily, you have somebody of a different denomination and doctrine saying the exact same thing with a different denomination and with a different doctrine. How do you reconcile this, and how do you balance this? It's a good question. Let's walk through this, my listening friend. By the way, before I go any further, you and I are going to pray and ask Holy Spirit to intercede and intervene in this and let his truth be our guide. Heavenly Father, for my listening friends, and also on behalf of KPRZ, uh, Salem Media San Diego, and my dear and growing friendship with Steve Brodsky, general manager here, Pray that uh, you bring us together in this collective intent to show unity of the faith in this broadcast called Come Together San Diego. We are entrusting you for this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we said, Amen. So in Proverbs 11.1, 1, it talks about an unjust balance being an abomination to God. And when you have all these different denominations and different doctrines saying, really, you need to pay attention to mine. Mine is really the proper way. And other people are saying, different words and saying that theirs is the proper way, you need to properly weigh and pray these things yourself. You are accountable to these things. Let me give you a a scripture in Acts 17 that has been one of my favorite scriptures. It talks about the Bereans versus the Thessalonians. Now, Paul and Silas, uh, Paul Paul was out ministering God's word, and there were people that uh, stood adverse to what Paul was preaching, and uh, they were in Thessalonica, and and the Scripture says those of Berea were more noble than those of Thessalonica because uh, the Bereans received everything with readiness of mind, readiness of mind, and then they searched the Scriptures to see if these things were so. So, in other words, there were different people espousing different things. In other words, they were proclaiming their own doctrine and denomination. But 
Paul was inclined to find people who were just looking for the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help them God, and to make their decision based on that. And the Bible says that the Bereans were more noble (laughs) than those of Thessalonica because they received all things with readiness of mind, and then they searched the Scriptures daily to see if these things are so. You and I have an obligation in fact, more than an obligation, we have, a, it's a, not only a privilege, it's a, a commitment to God to, to receive all things with readiness of mind and then search the scriptures to see if they're so. It is our obligation before God to study to show ourselves approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we're talking about an unjust balance as, a, as an abomination to God. And so as I began to dwell on this scripture found in Proverbs 11.1 1, and also in Acts 17, <clears throat> God showed me that there's different denominations and different doctrines, but each one of them is a beloved child of God. So how do you and I, as believers, navigate through this and make God's proper decision uh, in our own lives. Each one of us is accountable in our own lives. And God gave me a revelation here, and I'm going to share this with you beginning now in this portion of the broadcast, and I'm going to elaborate it on a little bit further on. I've noticed as I step back on the body of Christ, there's several different categories of believers. And in the book of um, Luke, the Bible says that um, that. God's Word uh, deals with um, uh, the law and the prophets and the Psalms. In Ephesians, I mean, math, uh, I'm sorry, in Luke, it talks about the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And I begin to identify each one of those categories, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, with different categories of people in the body of Christ. You have the law, and let me just use as my analogy, Moses, who was the law giver, and then the prophets, and probably the most illustrative prophet of all of them, and is spoken of as one who is coming back in the last days, um, is Elijah. Elijah in, in, in Malachi, the last chapters of Malachi, it speaks about this. So here we have the law, as in Moses, but also um, in the New Testament, we, we have the Gospels as being, you know, the actual things that happened in Jesus' uh, ministry on earth, the law, the prophets, and you have prophetical books in the Old Testament and New Testament as well. And then you have the Psalms or the books of um, artisans, basically, giving a different nuance. So I divided this, and I said, what happens, Lord, if in the body of Christ right now we have people who major on the law, meaning the uh, written-down word, I would call this the logos, okay, the logos of God's word. And then you have the prophets, and I would call that the um, the rhema of God's word. And there are those who embrace each one of those different points of view, the law-driven, thy, uh, thy, your word is... Uh, the lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, so the the word, let not the word of the law depart from your mouth, but, mouth, but that you meditate on it day and night, and then you will purpose to do all that is written in, and you will have good success. And that's in, in Joshua one eight. That's the law bearers. Now it doesn't necessarily have to be the the cold letter of the law. It can be the spirit behind the law that many people in the New Testament embrace. But nonetheless, it is the embrace of the written down. 
and and there are many just God-loving uh, precious saints that embrace the written-down law, and um, I would identify that as the uh, the uh, written word. Uh, and then there, there are those who embrace more endearingly the spoken-out word. So the you have the um, people that embrace the um, written-down word, and then you have the spoken-out word as well. And each one of those uh, really embraces a different category of people. And then you have those who are the psalm-related people who are more artisans, and they see things in a third way. So I identified each one of these different character types as a different type in the body of Christ. The word-driven people, the spirit-driven people, and the Davidic-driven people. And so uh, in the next segment, I'm going to uh, excavate this even a little bit further, because, you know, God's plan is to bring together his body of Christ, but they don't have to have the same denomination. They don't have to have the same doctrine. They just have to have unity of the faith, not unity of the doctrine. And I'm calling this a teeter-totter principle, and, you know, there's a lot that we can say about that, and um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that as we continue on Come Together San Diego, and I will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, welcome back, my friends, as I do an extrapolation of the whole term of the name of this radio broadcast, which has been going on for over three years now, Come Together San Diego. I'm asking uh, that the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ comes together. And so a, a valid question is one that we deal with on this show, and I don't talk much about it, we just do it, and that is how can so many different people from different denominations, pastors and leaders, that have different points of view, each one is their own uh, understanding of doctrine and the, their own understanding from their denominational point of view. But if you look across the spectrum of the body of Christ, you'll see so many different varying points of view. How do you reconcile this and make the church that God has desired and designed his church to be? And I'm using the scripture as we go further in this, as I do a little bit of educational ministry time with you, is in Proverbs 11.1, 1, which says an unjust balance is a, an abomination to God, an unjust balance. So here you have different people with different uh, points of view, different doctrines, uh, different uh, stances, you know, and, and, and how do you reconcile that into a unified body? Well, really, the, the secret is not in unity of the denomination or unity of the doctrine. It's unity of the faith, as it talks about in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 13, and other scriptures that I gave you in the previous segment. So I call this the teeter-totter point of view. You know, when you take a teeter-totter, you know, there, there may be at one point somebody is heavier on one side than on the other side, so you adjust the teeter-totter so there's e- equilibrium, so that the teeter-totter itself is balanced. And I use that as my analogy for an... Um, being balanced in the body of Christ because an unjust balance is an abomination. So how do you do this with different denominational points of view? 
Well, here, here's my take on this. As I mentioned to you before, uh, and I think it's in Luke 24, it talks about uh, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So I identified three different categories of people in the body of Christ. Now, you can pick this apart if you want or just use this for my analogy, and we'll go from here. The law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So for those who embrace the law, let me identify those as what I would call the word-driven believers. The word-driven believers. In other words, the Bible talks about the logos being the word of God, the written-down word of God. That's invaluable. But there are those also that align not so much with the Logos, although they understand and embrace it. They spend more of their time dealing with the rhema or the spoken or outspoken word of God. Uh, You find those people that uh, would be in the prophetical realms, uh, and the Logos people would be more in the word-driven realm, and the rhema people would be the the tongues and the proclamations and and things like that that would make some of the Logos word-driven people uncomfortable. And similarly, the Rhema people that are declaring, uh, here's what I believe the Holy Spirit is telling me to say and all these different things, that would similarly make the word-driven people uh, uncomfortable. The the Rhema-driven people talk about uh, people that are uh, understanding uh, the letter of the law without a perfect understanding of it. So they would use scriptures like that. And the Logos people would talk about, in, I think, First Corinthians, they would say they are like a sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. Nobody knows exactly what they're saying, but they like the way their voice sounds. <laughs> Both of those categories of people have validity. So how is God going to bring his church together in these last days? What is it going to look like? What is it going to sound like? What is it going to be like? So as God began to share with me the different types of people in the body of Christ, and I'm identifying them as the word-driven people or the logos people, those who embrace that which has been written down, and those who would acknowledge that, but they would more readily embrace the outspoken or spoken out rhema word of God. Both of those are valid, and I think from God's perspective, he has a a delicate balance of those two. And of course, then you have the artisans, those who, like King David did, he used the the written down word as an analogy for greater things. And I think I'm I'm not going to go in great detail on that third of the three categories, but like King David was able to bring together the law and the prophets together when he did his worship and praise. And that was, I would call David in the Davidic point of view as kind of the glue which knits together two totally different um, people on this teeter-totter and from the teeter-totter point of view. I want to talk a little bit about the th- those people who in the body of Christ are, we say, word-driven or Logos-driven. You may be among those. You may be one of the people whom God has uh, situated in the body of Christ who just, you know, if it's written down, I believe it, done deal. I don't want to get into some of this strange stuff like uh, people that are saying, and I go, no, that's not, I don't feel comfortable with that. But there's a scripture in John, it says, that identifies these people, the wind blows to and fro, and no one knows where it goes or where it comes. 
Such are those who are led by the Spirit of God. So here you have the word-driven people on one side of the teeter-totter and the spirit-driven people on the other side, and both of them have scriptural premise against which to make their stand. So how does God create a unified body? He does that not not by uh, forcing each one to change their point of view unto a word-driven point of view or a spirit-driven point of view. He calls them to have unity of the faith and not unity of the doctrine or denomination. Now, how is this going to work in the body of Christ in these last days? Well, that's where we are right now, my friends, and I want to spend a little bit of time helping you understand where the body of Christ is right now, and it's either going to be for these people that are word-driven or spirit-driven. It's either going to be the easiest decision they or you have ever made, or it's going to be the most difficult one. It's going to be the most simple point of view if you realize that God has called you to cohabitate one with another, and you don't have to change your godly, God-given, God-confirmed doctrine, even though it's different from another person's uh, doctrine, the Word-driven versus the Spirit-driven doctrine. If it's biblical, God says, my plan, my strategy is to have those work in tandem with one another. You know, I like to look at a weightlifter. You have a bicep and you have a tricep. The bicep, people say, the bicep is the muscle of muscles. And the tricep people say, no, the tricep is the muscle of muscles. And God laughs and he says, you are the body of Christ. I need to have equal tension between the tricep and the bicep to build my muscle. And our analogy right now, that muscle is the body of Christ. So each category, the word-driven saint and the spirit-driven saint need to work in God's perfect, balanced harmony for his church to be his church. And so that's where we are in the body of Christ right now. And the calling of Come Together San Diego is to identify these different uh, doctrinal points of view and bring them together. And we do a good kind, I think a good job in bringing different points of view together and asking you as the listener or the discerner to properly balance them. Hopefully some of the people that I bring on that are very word driven, you go, uh, I like that. I embrace that. And then the next time I'll bring on somebody who is very spirit driven or baptism of Holy Spirit driven. And they go, but it got, and you go, Oh, it's a little uncomfortable, but I can see the truth there as well. The truth of the matter is each one of these things is God's and God's teeter-totter of equal balance is vital to what God wants to do in these last days. In the next segment, I'm going to show you analogies on how this looks, but I need to let you know that God has you in your proper place, and it is how you deal with those who are in a different place that God has also set there, the harmony that God wants you to utilize is going to be the key to unity in the body of Christ, is going to be the key that changes the dynamics of the enemy coming against you. The Bible says when the enemy comes against you, like a flood, the Lord shall raise a banner against him. That banner banner is unity in the faith And we are going to take a real strong look in the last segment on what that unity of the faith looks like and sounds like and is like. But I'll tell you something, this is something that you really need to embrace. And as we get into the next segment, you're going to realize it's either going to be the easiest thing you've ever done (laughs) or the hardest thing, depending on your point of view. If you believe that God has built these different kind of people with different denominational stances 
all together in the body of Christ, and we're supposed to have unity of the faith and not unity of the doctrine. How does that look? I'm going to spend just a moment talking about the book that I wrote that really speaks to this. It's called One Church for a One World, O-N-E, Church for a W-O-N World. It's on Amazon.com. And the subtext on that is solving the mystery of unity in Christ's body. So I really encourage you, if you have a moment, to go to Amazon.com, look up my name, Kaz Taylor, look up One Church for a W-O-N World, and you can order it from there. And I can tell you something, my friend, this book, if you read it and pray on it, will revolutionize the way that you see the plan of God. Because, my friend, we're in a time right now where the church needs to be the church, and Satan, Hasatan, as they say in the Hebrew, Hasatan has every intent to fracture us, to cause us to be apart. And he actually uses what it is God wants to be our strength as our weakness. He says, these people believe that. You believe this. You need to come against them. And to the other group, he says to them, you believe this and they believe that. You need to come against them. And he brings enmity in the body of Christ, where if you step back and you look at God's strategies, <laughs> you'll realize that what the enemy thought was our greatest weakness is indeed our greatest strength. We'll talk more about that when I come back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, welcome back, my friend. As we go into the last segment of the second hour of Come Together San Diego, Yes, and I did say Come Together San Diego. That's the name of our broadcast. Why is it named that? We're going through that right now. Come Together San Diego. All the believers in San Diego need to come together as one voice. But how can this be when you have (laughs) so many different denominations and doctrines, each one making their stand? And many of those, as I've looked in Scripture, I see the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. So many of these people... uh, are word-driven, you know, the, 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 the law is in the word, and the law is in the spirit behind the word, and uh, the, the, the word-driven people I would identify as those who really embrace the logos of the word, the written-down word. And then there are those who, while they acknowledge the logos of the word, they spend their time embracing the rhema or the spoken-out word, and I would identify the former as word-driven people, and I would Uh, define the latter as spirit-driven people, and sometimes it's hard for them to uh, deal with someone in the other camp, although God wants us to have that unity of the faith, as it talks about in Ephesians 4, 13 and elsewhere, to have the unity of the faith and not to have the unity of the doctrine. That's okay. In fact, God's strategy is using that difference as some of the strongest uh, power that the church has ever had, as if we cannot comprehend that. <laughs> and in the previous segments, I talked to you about it's going to be easy, either the easiest thing for you to embrace, whether you're a word-driven person or a spirit-driven person, or it's going to be the hardest thing for you to embrace if you are so uh, cued in on yours that you disallow the validity of another point of view that has probably as many scriptures to support them as you do to support yourself. We're going to walk right through that right now in this last segment. 
You know, I've been talking about the teeter-totty, teeter-totty, the teeter, uh, the teeter-totter point of view using the scripture, Proverbs 11, 1, an unjust balance is an abomination to God. If you look at somebody that has an opposing point of view that has similar amount of scriptures than you do, as you do, you need to weigh and pray this because God may be putting you guys together in a way that is different than anybody anticipated. I use the analogy of the tricep and bicep working together to make the strong, in fact, the strongest muscle, the more each one uses its power and prowess against the other, those things make the muscle strong. If you multiply that times the body of Christ, you realize God is making his body of Christ strong as well. And it is a series of different muscle groups working against one another for the benefit of the collective body of Christ. That's where we are. So let me talk to you a little bit about my phraseology that I said. It's either going to be the easiest thing for these word-driven people and these spirit-driven people or the hardest thing for them. If they're so resolute that they disallow people that have a a similar amount of Scripture to support their point of view versus your point of view, you have to think, is God in this, and how do we equate that? You know, in my time with the Lord, I said, Lord, I want you just to give me the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God. And so he began giving me Scripture. I'm going to give you a couple of them right here as we differentiate between the Word-driven and the Spirit driven people, in other words, the word-driven or logos-related people, the written-down people, things that are written in Scripture, and those who speak out and declare spirit-driven word of God that would make some of the word-driven people uncomfortable. I'm going to share with you a couple of Scriptures and deal with these things in the next few minutes that we have on this Come Together San Diego show. I hope this is helpful for you to understand the strategy behind what we do at Come Together San Diego, bringing all different kinds of people together that have different doctrines and showing how God is going to use the different doctrines by his might and strategy to bring the church together. Let me take you to a scripture. I really use this scripture a lot. It says in actually um, 2 Timothy 3.16, many of you will be familiar with this scripture. I'm going to read it slowly for you. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for doctrine, for instruction of righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished into every good work. All Scripture. So here you have people that are tied to the word-driven logos, and they are using Scripture, and they are saying, okay, well, that's profitable for reproof, for doctrine, for instruction in righteousness. I'm going with that. But here you have people on the other end of the continuum that are spirit-driven, rhema-related people, and they're saying, okay, I'm using these scriptures, and I'm using them as reproof for doctrine and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished into all good works. Okay, I'm doing that. But each one has to step back and say, I'm doing that, but the other people that are on the other side of the point of view are doing it as well, so how do we reconcile that? With that in mind, I'm going to take you to one more scripture in Second Timothy to set the stage here. And that in 2 Timothy, it says, to st- this is talking to you, my friend, study to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, here's my premise. Each person that is taking the, the words that they've taken, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and they're just saying, okay, I'm embracing that for my reproof, 
for doctrine and instruction and righteousness, but if they disallow somebody on the other side of the teeter-totter the same privilege, uh, uh, that, that can't work because you are disallowing another godly person. So when I told you that it's either going to be the easiest thing or the hardest thing uh, in your faith if you are a word-driven person or a spirit-driven person, here it is. I'm laying it right out for you. It's going to be the hardest thing if you say, my way is the only way, and if you don't accept that, you're wrong, and I disavow you, and I don't identify you as a viable part of the body of Christ. If each side said that thing, you're wrongly applying the word of truth. Rightly applying the word of truth will be the easiest thing, and that is God is God, and he knows that each one of us have an invaluable part to play in the body of Christ. There are some instances where the word-driven people are going to have to take preeminence in a particular environment. Like if you're walking down the park and you have people that are very, very legalistic, you have a word-driven person going, I appreciate your point of view, but let me give you balance of your legalism. And so that they can take the written Word of God and they can decipher from that a truth that that person that you meet in the park never even thought of, and they can change their life, they can receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are saved. Same way, the, same, a different, the other person is walking in the park who's spirit-driven, and you have people that are into the New Age thing, and they're believing all these things about the sun and the stars and the the this, that, and the other, and the moon, and things like that, and they're extrapolating those kind of things, you can go, you know, I, will, I embraced that for a while, but let me tell you what Holy Spirit does, and you give the Holy Spirit uh, aspect, because the enemy is a, a counterfeiter, and the enemy has counterfeited the uh, rhema of God, and it becomes the mind and intellect of a human being. You say, here is really what things like that really should look like, and you can give them Scripture, and they go, oh, 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 okay, and you, where the word-driven person could have no power with that uh, individual, you, ha- having the spirit-driven component, can change that person's life. When you and I work in tandem with one another, whether you're a word-driven logos person or a spirit-driven rhema person, by just being uh, available to listen to Holy Spirit, you go into an environment where the word-driven person can carry the weight of this. You step alongside them and say, You've got it, and all of a sudden the word-driven person can minister to another person, change their life. In the same instance, when you're walking down the street and you have a spirit-driven rhema person with you, and the situation demands a rhema point of view where the Holy Spirit is empowered in a different way than you Logos people would see, all of a sudden that person affects a change. There's a scripture found in, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians it talks about when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, a doctrine, a hymn, an interpretation, a tongue, and, and, and let everything be done uh, in unity, Let every, defer one to another. The whole concept is you and I deferring one to another when the situation arises that the other person and the other point of view is needed. When you do this, it's the easiest thing in the entire world for you to come alongside of a person with a different denomination or different doctrinal standpoint even though they have different scriptures than you use, they are the person in that due season as are you in a different due season. All of a sudden, the body of Christ is unified, and the enemy just is not going to know what to do because if the written word people make their stand, the enemy is confused. 
And if the spirit word people use God's word, the enemy is confused, especially since he's been trying to pull us apart from one another. Therein is the key. And therein is the strategy behind Come Together San Diego. That's why we built Come Together San Diego to introduce the different doctrines and different denominations with the intent to unify not the doctrines, but the faith. And in that unity of the faith, the body of Christ is the body of Christ, and the church is empowered and wins. My friends, I hope this has been an inspiration for you. And Come Together San Diego, once again, my book, one Church for a One World, available on Amazon.com, solving the mystery of unity in Christ's body. That's it for this week. More great stuff coming next week. God bless you mindly, and I mean it. Thanks for joining Cass Tater and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.